It's that time again for the assault on your ears we call Lore Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I'm Aaron, and Stavros is here too. I mean... I'm here. Yeah. yeah. He I didn't, he didn't cut out early like usual. So, you know, he's here for <laughs> the know. end. Um, yeah. and you know what's tonight on our screens is episode 10 of season four, old friends, new planets. And in our cups is much like this episode, a happy ending. Wait. Yeah. When you suggested this drink, I was like, is that real? And apparently it is. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> it's vodka, lime juice, cranberry juice, and orange bitters. Uh, and when you suggested this drink to me, I was like, I have no idea the proportions, and I just kind of threw everything together. But you know what? I was pleasantly surprised by this drink. I Usually cranberry juice is a little kind of too bitter for me. I'm not really that big of a fan, but something about how it's mixed in with uh, with the vodka and lime juice is like the big it, it all, components of the It drink. all goes together really well. You know, whenever yeah. you're mixing drinks, you can never go wrong if you take the prime mixer and the prime alcohol and you dump them in in 50 50 proportions and then you do a dash of bitters or what else is whatever else is in there you know lime or lemon or whatever else and or you know syrups or whatever you're throwing in there usually it'll work out in your favor yeah yeah i i I had happened to have some orange bitters um, I think from when we did get decked the last time we did a get decked episode. Oh God! Don't so remind I just me. Happened to have some on <laughs> on hand, and it just something about it just is just really good. I'm I you know like I said I'm not hu- a huge fan of cranberry juice in general, but this works together yeah really well. It's, it goes right with the awesomeness that is this episode. Cranberry juice is always one of those challenges because it's one of those things that like a lot of cranberry juices they try and add a lot of sugar to like offset. Mm, the tartness yeah. of it and they just go overboard but if you get right. if you get the right one and like even if you get a wrong one that is way too much sugar you can then offset it with the orange bitters in the end it's all about getting the right mix i think this drink is fantastic i'm really pleased but anyways let's talk about the uh, the episode <laughs> yeah, yeah what is on our screens here. yeah so this episode is called old friends new planets when guilty of manslaughter, Starfleet Academy washout Nick Locarno puts together a fleet of mutinous lower deckers. Mariner does what she does best and completely foils his plans. Helped just in time by Captain Freeman and Tendi's addition of a giant, worthless Orion battleship. So, I have some problems here, Stavros. First off, is it really manslaughter? I mean... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not murder. He didn't kill He didn't kill Josh by accident. Well, I mean, nobody was saying it was or murder. Purpose, Why are you jumping yeah. to that? Stavros, I, I just feel like at this point he's he's capable of murder as the uh, as it's shown. In is the it more like negligent homicide? Maybe I don't know. Is that a type of manslaughter? I'm not a legal expert. I'm not sure. um, we'll have to get. It's somewhere between manslaughter and negligent homicide. Uh, somewhere in I'm not sure about that. But then was the Orion <laughs> battleship really worthless? You're right. They do find a use for it. I feel like it was clutch clutch in the moment. Uh, It was a clutch battleship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Orions like to build their ships big and, I guess, old. I don't know if the the newer Orion battleships come in that size. Are we going to talk about the Orion battleship right now? Oh, yeah, of course. I guess so. Maybe we should. Have we seen this design before? Or is this something entirely new? I don't think we've seen it before. I think it's new. Yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of new ships in this episode, and we're going to have to have, I mean, our, I can already tell right now, if we do a ships of season four, it's going to uh, be a if, disaster if, of a... <laughs> I think you mean when. This is happening, <laughs> son. Get on board. That's going to be like a three-parter, because there's just so many. There is. There is. This season, especially this episode. Yeah. It's yeah. So, yeah, I think the Orion cool. Battleship, and I don't think it really fits with anything we've seen before. Mm. Orion designs are kind of all over the place, though. You see a lot in this episode. Yes. There's the ship that picks up Tendi. There's the giant battleship. There's the interceptor variant that they, you know, is in Nick Lucarner's fleet. So there's lots of Orion designs. Let's, uh, we're going to talk more about ships in another episode. So we can save some of it for that. But let's talk about this episode more. So interesting credit wise, this uh, episode, uh, this was directed by Bob Suarez. Uh, interestingly, he did a lot of other episodes in season four. And tons in seasons one and two, but then skipped three for some reason. So he's a vet when it comes to directing lower. And, and I just got to say, it really shows that he skipped season three. <laughs> why? Why is that? What happened? 
Uh, you know, there's just a very different feel to season three. That's all I'm saying. I'm not implying uh, okay. anything all right. at all. <laughs> Nothing at all. I'm just throwing <laughs> phrases out there. I'm making statements. Yeah. They don't mean anything. It sounds like you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> the writing credit, though, is even more interesting. Uh, so this episode was written by Mae Darman, first time writer on Lower Decks. But interestingly, she has a lot of credits in IMDb. Yeah, and None yeah. of the rest of them are writing credits. Famous for her previous collaborations with Jalad. Um, I believe they worked at Tanagra, if I recall correctly. <laughs> Yes, that sounds exactly right. <laughs> okay, but no, she has a lot of assistant to showrunner credits. So a lot of assistant to Mike McMahon in Lower Decks and Solar Opposites and assistant to Alex Kurtzman in Discovery. So okay. first time writing credit, she's doing something new. Well, I mean, she did gotta, gotta obviously a quality production. I really enjoyed this episode. But you know what? I feel yeah, like once you're at that level, there's a lot of overlap and responsibilities. So it's not that surprising mm. that once yeah. you get that writing credit. To writer. And I don't even know how like mm. the writing credits work. Because like every time you like hear about like episodes of Star Trek, it's always like, this dude submitted a script. And then that dude rewrote it. And these guys, they mm. penciled in some suggestions. And these 27 right. people all made minor alterations. <laughs> And by the time you're done, you got like a Franken script that nobody's responsible yeah. for. And you know, <laughs> sometimes you get best of both worlds and sometimes you get threshold. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I want to know more about the writing process, especially for an animated show like this. It's got to be interesting. Some writing by committee for sure, I'm sure. Well, I mean, everything is writing by committee when you get to that level. I assume. I mean, mm. I don't know. I've never written we don't know for anything. About. Yeah. <laughs> My my writing credits are all limited to the bathroom wall. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> anyway, let's get into what happens during this episode. How'd you feel about uh, Jerry O'Connell doing the last time on Lower Decks? You know, I, I don't like it. It's supposed to be the computer mm. voice, you know? And I yeah. get that it's not Roddenberry anymore, so you don't get that iconic last time on whatever Star Trek series this was. That's That's a terrible voice. Right. I cannot do Roddenberry. Yeah, but it is it is noticeable, and it, whatever reason, it just throws me off. Like that's not right. That's not how it should be, and I just mm. can't. I can't not be bothered by that for some reason. <laughs> I think they've rotated through other members of the cast for this too, in other two parters. Yeah, it, it always bothers me, but you know, whatever. It is what it is. Anyway, so we start off with the flashback to Starfleet Academy. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of fun stuff happening in this scene. Uh, we get to see Mariner as a cadet, and apparently she was a cadet 13 years ago, and so you can kind of approximate her age based on that. Yeah, so we're, we're gotta looking be in at... her 30s? I, you know, 30s. it kind of depends on when she entered the Academy. Like, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I had to be 18, had to be 18, but it's all like, didn't Wesley, like, first... It doesn't have to be. Yeah, he, like, yeah. first applied to the Academy when he was, like, 16, right? Or fifteen, right? So Something like that, yeah. You know, she she's thirty-ish. We'll call it that. You know, yeah, thirty-ish, somewhere between late twenties and early thirties. Yeah, and that kind of fits. You know, with you know, everybody's all like, "Oh, well, Boimler said they were the same age," and it's all like, yeah, age is relative. You know, I talk about being the same age as people <laughs> who were, you know, four or five years within range sure. of how old I am. It's yeah. not like, you know, once you get out of like high school. It just age stops being as relevant for such a like narrow time frame. Yeah, people who are like ten yeah. years, twenty years older than you, at that point it means something. That's but, different. It's a different generation dude, at twenty years. Yeah, old. you're 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 twenty four, <laughs> and I'm you know nineteen. That's not a huge difference anymore. You know, yeah. you're, and that's the other thing. We don't even know when Boimler started in the academy or how long he spent in the academy. Yeah. For all- you know, to be honest, over the last couple episodes, I've seen so many Reddit threads about people like, how old are these guys? I'm like, guys, it, I don't think it really matters. That yeah, much. I Does think, it really matter that I much? Think it, that's the other thing. Like, you know, even in the world we live in now, age doesn't really matter, mean as much the older you get. I knew people when I was, you know, in my late teens who were not responsible adults and yeah. I knew people who were in their late teens and were completely, totally responsible, you know? Mm. 
It doesn't matter. It's all about personality the older you get. And it doesn't even <laughs> matter to the show at this point. No, not really. Yeah. No. Although it kind of related, this is in my notes too. In these, in this shot, there's this wide shot of a bridge that they're kind of crossing over a little stream in Starfleet Academy. And Mariner is like by, sh- by far the shortest person in this group, which I mean, she's not exactly short on compared to the crew of the Cerritos, but I mean, that could lead, lead, uh, lend some credence to her being younger when she... Oh, and she, well. she she is at the very least, she's a underclassman compared to them. Certainly. But you know what? I've also noticed that Lower Decks uses height as a indicator of like age and experience. Like the Lower Deckers are all shorter than the senior officers. Whereas, right, like, true. that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the real world, <laughs> you know? No, that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> one of those things about an animated show. Well, you know, that's one of the nice things about an animated show. You can use a wider toolkit of visual communication that just works really well. That's true. I do love the fact that she's, at this point, even, like, fangirling over Cito. And I love the fact that they use <laughs> Nick Locarno calling her out on that as a way to show just how much of, like, he was kind of a jerk even back then. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. He's on the slippery slope to jerkness. But I do want to talk about Locarno more in a bit. But more about this scene. Uh, we actually get some cool cameos in this scene. We get Will Wheaton as Wesley. They get the prizes rolling there. Yeah, they get the whole crew back. It's not just Will Wheaton, yeah. right? It's uh, oh god, who do they even have in this scene? It's Will Wheaton. It's Aceto uh, Jaxa. Her name is Shannon Phil. Yes. Um, interesting thing about her she she has not done any work in like the TV scene yes. since 1995. Yeah, like, and I, I do wonder if she's actually been acting since then because a lot of people do that. Yeah, you know, they they, not. they do television. Yeah. They do movies for a little bit, and then they. You know, they yeah. switch over to stage or theater or somewhere, life. or they oh, go yeah. to normal mm. life. Wasn't that the story of one of the girls who played Savick? Like, after she left that role, she became, like, a real yeah. estate agent? Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, if <laughs> you can do what you want to do, Vulcan man. logic, man, apply that to real <laughs> estate. <laughs> and, of course, you know, we're talking about the, the crew, though, that, that it's, it's all the original yeah. characters from that episode, all their original actors. Yeah. You get to see Josh, who uh, is killed before the first duty even starts. Yeah, does he even get yeah. a word in Edgewise, though? Does he say anything in this he, episode? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. He goes like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know if we could do this. Oh, if right. if you first yes. duty, he's like, he was nervous about it. He wasn't ready. Yep. This and that. And so. then uh, Nick Locarno, played yep. by Rubber Duck McNeil, totally badgers <laughs> him into it. Are you bringing this back again? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's Rubber Duck McNeil. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, yeah, I, I believe I think we should just agree to talk. I had no idea who played Tom Paris until you told me it was Rubber Duck McNeil. <laughs> if you say his name really fast, it sounds like Rubber Duck. Well. I mean, if you say his name really drunk, it sounds like Rubber Duck McNeil. I think that is the <laughs> lesson <those> here. <laughs> uh. Oh, God. But yeah, it's all the original crew. Oh, you know who had a visual cameo was our good... Our good friend, Boothby, yes. I totally forgot he was in the first duty. Him and Picard Mm -hmm. had a good heart-to-heart. I mainly remember him from Voyager, right? Where there's flashbacks. Well, yeah, he was was the the shape-shifting monster aliens. But he was also Mm -hmm. in flashbacks where Chakotay... Chakotay... Chicote. Chicote, that's right there with Robert. So. Uh, he, he was remembering <laughs> his time as a boxer at Starfleet Academy. Because apparently, right. no matter how much we evolve, punching each other in the face never goes out of style. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's true entertainment right there. Uh, what else happens in the scene? Oh, we finally get. Oh, so you know what we missed in last episode? Stupid us. Uh, not recognizing the symbol on the ships in Locarno's jacket. God, so and dumb. That is obviously the yes. Colvin Starburst design. Oh my yes. god, I can't believe we missed that. But I can. Like that yeah, is. We realize it now. That is us to a T. Like we we <laughs> start drinking movies. and then we're like, oh yeah, oh that's what, what does that mean? That's just pure nonsense. And then like 15 <laughs> minutes later, we're like, that is a thing from episode seven. 
Mm-hmm. Of DS9, and it's in the background. It's like this is a major plot point of the episode, and we could not place it. <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> God. Well, now we know, and knowing's half the battle. So, uh, and the other half is uh, apparently green and blue lasers. Anyways, going on. Apparently, going on. Yeah. What's our next? What's our next bit here? One more thing to mention about this flashback scene is Mariner kind of drops some names that she's learning in Z- uh, Zeno history. Um, the preservers and, from the yep, original series and episode the Zindi. syndrome and Zindi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was fun. You know, it kind of makes sense though that they would learn about the Zindi. They've got to be like an anomaly on the galactic scene that they're like. Yeah, what were seriously. they like five or six species? Five races. That, yeah, well, because wasn't there one that was like now. extinct too, and they all evolved oh. on the same planet? Like that. Like yeah. we never see that anywhere else. Like we at best get like two species. Yeah, but like six. Nah, man, that don't happen. Yeah, that seems like a lot. So it makes sense yeah. that they would learn yeah. about that. Xeno, whatever. Xeno yeah, totally. history, biology, one of those? One of those. Xeno pharmacology. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I could go for some Xeno pharmacology right now. Who, who wouldn't, really? I mean, that makes us with alcohol, though, right? Let's talk more about Locarno and his fleet. Just everything about Locarno. His fleet, what, what's he doing here? I love that they finally acknowledged the Tom Paris resemblance with the with the awesome joke uh, i loved how they talked about this it was awesome you know the joke was great but i'm just disappointed that it was a throwaway gag like they only do like two bits on it like they could have done like an entire episode about this and it would have <laughs> Did been you want amazing. like tom paris to show up too and like he's part of the solution or something i, I was so hoping you just wanted like, more tom that, paris? that was the dream you know more rubber duck mcneil like <laughs> i want rubber duck more mcneil rubber duck. talking to rubber duck mcneil <laughs> uh, I thought it was so good. They're like, look, it looks, it looks exactly like him. I just thought it was. And so Boiler's funny. all like, no, I don't see yeah. it. Like, I don't see it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like if they did any more than that, it would have just derailed the plot. You know? Yeah, I mean I thought, that I is true. They amount. they they do have a limited amount of time. I do like the fact that they they lampshaded it rather than just ignoring yeah. it or even like trying yeah, to yeah. explain it because like that that happens in real life. People sometimes look alike. I mean, yeah, so why not true. in Star Trek? Bound to happen. Yeah. Statistically probable. Yeah. There you go. You know, I, I was thinking about, I, I was, you know, while, like, while the Mariner and Locarno were talking, uh, you know, Locarno says, this is my, you know, Nova fleet. And, you know, it just is such in line. Just Locarno's just character is just so sad, man. Like he's, what can I say about him? Like he's stuck. He He, he has this ego that you can see in the Starfleet Academy flashback scene and he still got it even though he killed someone basically with it. Well, to be fair, lots of people have killed people with their ego and it doesn't stop them from accomplishing <laughs> great true. things. I mean, <laughs> think true. about how many people you've killed with your ego, Stavros, and yet here you are oh, yeah. doing a podcast that's an achievement really? for a man with bodies wow. in his basement. That's, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I need to... uh I need to get a bigger freezer, but uh, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> but, you know, back to him, like, it just, it's so, it's so tragic and I, I want to call it tragic, but he's an asshole. So I don't really. Yeah. And that's that it. That's about it. it. It's not tragic, right? It's one of those things where yeah. they want to make him a villain and they do a good job of having him never learn a lesson. Cause that's like the difference yeah. between like heroes, right? And villains mm. is. Heroes like make mistakes and learn their lesson, but villains they make the same mistakes over and over again and always always blame others, always think they've done yeah. nothing wrong, right? Totally. That's actually a flaw that television has a lot too where they will have a main character and they'll get stuck in this rut, right? Of having the main character never growing. They just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Because that's the dynamic right. of their show. And after a while, you're like, this character isn't a good character. They're like a straight up villain, you know? Right. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they do a really good job juxtaposing that to Mariner, who has learned many lessons throughout this series. Yes. The most important lesson was the one she learned just last episode from Ma'a about, you know, what yeah. Cedo Jackson would have wanted. Yeah. So thank God that happened last episode or else it would have been a little awkward. Indeed, this, this honoring the dead. <laughs> but the fact that he calls the, the fleet Nova Fleet, uh, you know, after his 
Starfleet Academy squadron is called Nova Squadron. Just sad. Man. I love the fact, though, that he blames the death of the one pilot on their instructors who wouldn't let them practice. Yeah. That is such yeah. a fantastic, like, storytelling element. Really well done. Really. God, this whole episode is well done. Yeah, it's great. What a great villain. Like, surprising, you know, <laughs> that for that's that come out like this. But yeah, the fact that he, you know, he tries to kind of disguise his a-holeness with being a like a hero for the the lower yeah he's fighting for the underdogs the people who were disrespected by the system just like he was because he can't see that the system actually treated him fairly and he effed up badly and never took responsibility like did the end of that episode like everybody involved basically got off with a slap on the wrist and he was the only one who got kicked out because he tried to cover mm. it up and because and that's the other thing they like take that extra yeah. step right in the first one you can almost see yeah. that oh yeah he's a dude who got in over his head and made bad decisions in the first duty you can almost see that but this one they like add scenes and they add narrative to make it clear that from the get-go he was the asshole he was the bad guy <laughs> really well Absolutely. done yeah you got to think that these personality traits of his you know, have existed since, you know, at least he was a young adult. And, you know, it just reached the breaking point in the Starfleet Academy incident. And it's just become this, it's just grown into this monster of a character trait, which uh, includes murder, attempted murder at the end where he tries to shoot Mariner. Yeah, so. but I mean, who hasn't attempted to murder Mariner? I mean, <laughs> a good point. It's a yeah, thing, yeah. you know. <laughs> Indeed. Let's talk about the ships in his fleet. So we oh actually boy. I mean, like do we, we have time for earlier. this? There's so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we're just gonna have to say there are a lot. There are a lot. There are a bunch of Carda- there are like a bunch of Cardassian ships. So yeah, uh, just the, unrecognizable ones all over well, the place. Well, the Cardassian ones look like they're a variant on the Hideki, but they look like a new design. And honestly, I really like them. Yeah. They're pretty dang good. They are cool. And of oh. course, you get the sideways like Romulan warbird, the Ferengi ship. Oh yeah, so cool. The Klingon mm-hmm. bird of prey. Yeah. But like most of the others, like I don't recognize. Yeah. One really reminds me of like the Huznak. Is it the Huznak? The Huznak? The Wugnak? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Huznak. that warship, yeah. but it's like a variant on it. It's not mm. like a hundred percent accurate. The engine looks different. It has a like pod below the front of the ship. Doesn't have the the weapons or the hangers that the other variants that we've seen throughout the uh, series have. Yeah. yeah. It just it has the basic shape. So I'm probably wrong about this. It's probably something else. And somebody's going to tell me how wrong I am as soon as we post this. <laughs> but like, there's tons <laughs> of other ships, too. And I just don't recognize yeah. any of them. They're really cool. I, I'm wondering, yeah, like once we actually have a ships of season four episode, maybe we can, maybe we might need a whole a whole separate entry just for this episode. Uh, just dissect all these things. You know what we don't see in the fleet? Mm. The Binar ship. Where's the Binar ship? Didn't it? I thought I saw it in there. Is it not in there? There is a number of ships, but none of them are exactly the Binar ship that was taken, right? Interesting. Like even even the Orion ship you see, it's like docked in his starbase and later yeah. chases after Mariner. But right. yeah, the Binar ship nowhere to be seen. Even when they make their escape, they beam to the Romulan ship. It's weird. Yeah, they just uh, didn't want to throw it in there again for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, gosh, so many cool things. We'll we'll, we'll go into more detail in our ships episode. Uh, no Federation ships, with the exception of the Steamrunner, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but. I, I, you know, wanted to talk more. So why do you think he avoided recruiting people from Starfleet? He's got people from all these other races. Is this like a, a Starfleet, you know, is a utopian, you know, the Federation at least is a utopian organization. No, so, so Starfleet guys wouldn't fall for it or he just didn't want to recruit. We've actually seen like unhappy Starfleet officers throughout the series, right? right? So it's not like he couldn't recruit. But I think a part of it was he wouldn't have been as successful. Like the majority of Starfleet officers are happy as a clam, whereas all of the other races he recruited from, all of the other nations he recruited from, the Ferengi are all, you know, capitalist schemers. You come to them and say, hey, I'll give you X amount of money or you can get X amount of money by betraying your captain. It's well within their wheelhouse to totally do that. The 
Vulcans are 100%. They're all about scheming. Hey, you know, right. I'm going to give you the opportunity to scheme unhindered. Of course they're going to go for it, you know? Everyone. The only one that I don't get is the binars. Actually, no, I do get the binars, and I don't like the message that sends. But that's a whole other issue. Uh-huh. We'll talk about that when we talk about the binars. Are we going to talk about the binars, or do we yeah. need to do that now? I think we should, yeah. they're Well, they're trinars, are they not? Yeah, that's the thing. That's how they're different. Right? And we saw that in the episode where their ship gets taken. There's three of them together, and then they walk onto the bridge, and one goes right. and pairs up, right? He separates from his others. Right. And I really don't like the message that sends, because they're obviously, they are not the social normative arangement in their society. Binars are all about pairs, and they are a triplet, and it's clear that that wasn't accepted. And it's the villain of the story. And that's a decent story, is, you know, a villain preying upon these social problems. But there's also the implication that the Binars are Federation members, and they have strong enough social norms that you have these these trinars who felt like they could not escape that norm within the federation. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like that message. Something weird is I mean that is the only like the only federation race that we see, I think, right? Yeah. They're all non-federation yep. otherwise. So something is anomalous about them. I don't know if it's because they're trinars yeah. <laughs> or well, what. And, and or, the thing is I think it was just one of those things that was done to be silly and fun. But yeah. there is an unintended implications of that message. Yeah. And I don't know if I really like that. But you know what? Yeah. I can look past it. It was a fun episode. Yeah. It was a silly totally. thing. And I can I can let that go. You know, I'm thinking Locarno just didn't like he didn't want to recruit from the Federation. I mean you can tell when they talk about his uh you know, his ship being all stark and white and stuff. You know, it's he even makes a comment like, yeah, we're not going to find any wood paneling or carpeting here. Like he is he does not like the Starfleet Federation motif. And so he's reluctant to recruit. from them. Well, I think that's the whole thing is I think it's probably a little bit. He doesn't like the Federation. He's unhappy with the way it works. But remember, last episode, that was the whole plot. He was trying to recruit people that were equally disenfranchised. The outcasts. And that right. was the problem exactly. I think that he was having was he was struggling to find those obvious outcasts right. within the Federation. Yeah. Meet up with Thomas Riker that she should have recruited that guy first. Are we sure <laughs> though that he's an outcast? We don't know. I felt like uh, at the end of know. his last episode in DS9, yeah. he had like come around to the Federation way of thinking. Yeah. Hmm. I guess we'll, we won't know until uh, Thomas Riker be- makes a guest appearance on the God, I hope that happens. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, what about the Trinar shield around the solar system? I mean, that must be like a humongous shield with a humongous energy consumption. Yeah, it doesn't what make a whole heck? lot of sense. <laughs> oh my gosh. And to think it like recovers pretty quickly. I mean, I guess like on the grand scheme of things, if, even if you crash a big ship into it and you make a hole, it's going to recover because in the grand scheme of things, a battleship crashing into your shield is nothing yeah a battleship sized hole is nothing compared to the scale (laughs) of shield like you just be like okay i'm gonna move point zero 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 percent to cover this hole and you'd have no appreciable loss of shield strength across the rest of your shield (laughs) yeah crazy shield yeah is this tech just lying around like who is is the trinars have it so mariner actually makes a reference to that i think it was mariner it's a trinar shield, and there are three right. binars, so hence trinars. So it sounds like right. they're the ones who made it happen. Okay, just these trinars. Assuming they're the only trinar out there. We don't know anything about these trinars. Well, I mean, yeah. Maybe there are more out there. Well, or it's happen. like, you know, binar technology, and they just were like, hey, this normally wouldn't be something anyone would try to use because, you know, it's not really effective if, a you know, just throwing something at it breaks it, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's asteroids out there. You could grab an asteroid and throw it at this thing that apparently and fly through it, you know, or <laughs> freaking yeah. eject a warp core and have that blow up and fly through it. It doesn't seem like it's that You effective. think the energy of a warp core blowing up would be more than the battleship crashing into it? Well, maybe the warp core was yeah, the battleship. Maybe the, no, the battleship couldn't have had an active warp core because, I mean, 
it wasn't it wasn't functional. There's no way you just leave mm-hmm. a matter antimatter reactor on in some derelict <laughs> ship. That is like a recipe yeah. for disaster. <laughs> I think you're right. Yes. Uh, uh, anyway, so that's enough about Locarno and his fleet. Anything else we're missing that you want to talk about? With yeah, so, Locarno like, or? I, God, we're just really going into this, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. So when they're walking through his starbase, right? Because he has a starbase. Mm-hmm. Like, where did the starbase come from? Yeah. <laughs> However, this is something that got me. The interiors really reminded me of the interiors from Dead Stop. From Enterprise, that's oh, the one where mm-hmm. they find the automated repair yard. The that, station, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not the same because the interiors here, they are round as opposed to, I think it was, what were they, octagonal in Dead Stop. But, like, right. the display screens look similar. It has that same glowing white vibe. Like, there's wall paneling that looks so similar. It just... God, it seems like it's the same tech. And I'm probably wrong, right. but that is that is my take on it, and that is what I'm going with. You know, I can see it, but uh, I think there's a, this uh, psychological phenomenon. I think it's perception bias. Like, once we rewatched the episode, Dead Stop, you're just seeing it everywhere now, man. This is not the first time you've been like, something has reminded you of Dead Stop. So I, I call bullshit. That out I call bullshit. That, that is not <laughs> the case. Everything everything is a reference to, bu- to false Full stop. Dead stop. Full stop. Dead, dead stop. stop. Reference all the way. <laughs> Those are the same. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. All right. Anything else about Lucarno or should we move on to Mariner's Escape? Oh, boy. Mariner's Escape. Such a great scene. Yes. Yes. So what's the deal? First off, I mean, so Mariner's Escape revolves around the Genesis device because those exist for some reason. So apparently Ferengi just make these and those exist you know, just like for random some loot. reason. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? They just make these. Like, it's only a plot point WMDs. in like three of the movies, of course. <laughs> for some reason, so they've like ripped off. They ripped off the. Uh, you know, well, Genesis, it's one of those uh, things that once the tech exists, I mean, this is what like two hundred years, no, hundred years. After the Genesis device was developed, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. eventually somebody else is going to recreate it. I mean, the the data is there. Why? Why the fuck not? I guess so. I guess it's enough to just uh, to steal those. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I like how uh, Mariner calls her the the first officer GD for Genesis device. I thought that was uh, amazing. Oh, and apparently, uh, seats have seatbelts uh, on the bridge. Well, I mean, did they so. introduce seatbelts in was it First Contact or Insurrection? No, uh, it was. What was it from? It was from Nemesis, right? After, because the the Enterprise oh, yes. is all effed up, and they're like, "Oh, here's your new command chair," and like the seatbelts fold down, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't you remember the good old days of the original series movies where you just like, you know, squeeze squeeze some little like chair attachments to your thighs, and that was enough to keep you in your seat somehow? Well, I mean, that seemed reasonable. I mean, have you tried? Thigh grabbers, uh, thigh grabbers are I have fantastic. I have not. <laughs> I have not. But ta- speaking of this, the the ship that GD is buckled into, Steamrunner class. And I know you may or may not be a fan of the Steamrunner. I love the Steamrunner class ever since it showed up in First Contact. I always thought it was awesome, just so cool. I think uh, you know, in Soft Cannon, they're referred to as torpedo boats, but I think every time they showed up in you know, first contact DS nine and Voyager. All they do is get blown up. Basically they're just fodder. I just, but I've always loved the design. I've never liked them. And I'm sorry to whoever designed this. Crazy. It just, it looks <laughs> like somebody opened up their kit bash box and started gluing <laughs> things together without any thought. And said, Oh yeah, we got, we got a ship here. Let's uh, woo, fly away ship. It's, <laughs> I don't like it. I just, uh, it always looks so ugly to me and nothing worked together on it. It is definitely the, the lowest tier of the first contact ships for me. I don't know, man. This oh, So in case you're wondering, you've just offended Alex Jaeger or Jaeger from ILM who designed this ship for first contact. Well, what else did he design? Akira, the Akira he also did. Well, so there you go. 50-50. He had one good ship, one bad ship. And oh, all the first contact ships. He did Akira, Steamrunner, Saber, and, Nor- and Norway. Well, you know, there you go. It was one bad ship. 
you know, I just not every <laughs> not everybody hits them out of the park with every swing. Uh, I don't know. I completely disagree. I love how this ship looks, especially in the lower deck style. Uh, this ship looks great. And there, you can tell that there there have been a couple different little variants of the Steam Runner. The big one that stood out to me between like the original when it showed up in First Contact and later versions, especially this one that shows up in lower decks, yeah. is there's a bit of the blue warp nacelle the glow that shows up on the top side of the uh, nacelles. It just looks great in this uh, in this episode. I just I could not get enough. It, of it definitely looks better in this episode, but yeah, I just I can't get behind it, man. I don't like the ship. They did an upgraded version of it for Star Trek Online, and that one actually looked uh, yeah. pretty good. But this thing, oh, no, the Seamer is just ugly. I don't like it. You're crazy. You're crazy. Well, I don't think we can be friends anymore again after this. Uh, were we friends to begin with? I don't recall <laughs> agreeing to this. I mean, I thought so. Oh. <laughs> the name of this ship was the USS Passaro, P-A-S-S-A-R-O, um, which, in case you're wondering, translates uh, to small bird in Portuguese. So I do not speak little, Portuguese, little so there. I did not know that. Yeah, now you know. I was kind of wondering why this ship, they just had it um, when they kind of made a point of no other Starfleet crews being... You know, subjected to the Nick Locarno theft. There's no Starfleet crew, no crew. on here. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's just. So they must have stolen it. Yeah, that's what I'm or... assuming. It was like a mothballed ship yeah. that he just he grabbed. You know, maybe yeah. maybe this was like his first ship, right? That he stole, oh, and that's how he found maybe. his mystery space station that he then used to build his new ship and start his fleet. Right. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I think they do basically imply it's old in the episodes. So. Yes. It's an old stolen ship, I guess. Is, uh, but, uh, you know, it's not too old that uh, Captain Freeman's command codes don't work on it, though. Well, how old uh, would it have to be? I mean, we don't know where, like, Captain Freeman's, you know, how long has Captain Freeman's command codes been in service? You know, you don't know. Yeah. Although I, I do know. want to talk about the fact that is all it took was her mom's command codes and it just activated for her. <laughs> like, that seems super unsafe. Like, like you would think they would have like some level of multi-factor authentication, <laughs> like some sort of like biometrics yeah. or like secondary. <laughs> they do have biometrics. They have the voice prints. But yeah. it's Mariner. It's not her mom. Their voices are not the same. <laughs> I know they're not the same. I'm saying they have the tech. They just chose yeah. They just to chose not to implement it. Apparently, and I mean, it seems like just such a huge like risk. I mean, like starships are super deadly. Like. Didn't they say that, like, the Enterprise could destroy a planet multiple times over with its gun? I think so. Like, Jesus. Yeah, torpedoes, yeah. And is all it takes to get it. control of that is be all like, hey, man, here is a password of some officer I know. Because let's be honest. We all know that Miglimo's password is password. I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Completely. A little questionable, but, you know, it gets the plot going, so I guess I can't uh, complain about it too much. So It's fine. Let it flow. Yeah, exactly. You know when she runs into the, I don't know if it's like a planetary ring or an asteroid field or something, but I got serious Empire Strikes Back asteroid chase vibes. So it's funny uh, you say that. You're, you're talking about the uh, the ice crystal chase, right? Yes. That uh, actually remembered, yeah. reminded me of this animated series called Titan A.E. Or not series, it was a movie. Oh, uh, yes. Because there sure. is an uh, yeah. ice crystal field chase scene in that. And it ironically ends with the creation of a planet from <laughs> a machine. I do not that remember that. There. It's been a while. Highly recommend it. Yeah. It has some really cringy moments, but overall it's a pretty yeah. decent animated movie. I'd recommend it. Safe for cool. children, so... Uh, but I think it's clear that this chase scene was inspired by some other media, whether it's... Uh, I think it's I think it's more just like this is a sci-fi trope, right? The chase through the field. Okay. Because I feel like I've seen this multiple times before. I have this distinct memory of watching a scene where somebody's flying through like an ice field and you see reflections of their ship on all of the ice crystals. But I couldn't tell you where it's from. No idea. But you know the big reference in this uh, Mariner Escape Genesis Vice situation is uh, the Ion Storm battle where Locarno chases Mariner ship in there. Yeah. Uh, which of course is the huge Full Wrath of Khan. on Wrath of Khan. I did not see them going this yeah. route. This was all supposed to be uh voyage home season, right? 
I know. But no, no they went. But it's crazy. They they duplicate like entire shots, and the damage to the uh, Passero at the end was you know exactly like the damage to the Reliant. So insane the amount of uh, I, it was definitely an unexpected level of reference that i you know i thought worked really really great yeah and it's really uh they did it as like callbacks but not their usual like comedy or visual gag callbacks it was like played straight so it's just very unexpected very unexpected i love that the genesis device detonation the computer on the device calls it and i think it's the computer on the device calls it an explosive terraformation yes it was coming (laughs) I thought that was pretty great because there you know it's a, they've outright just saying it's a weapon. You know they call it explosive. Yeah. So. Well, that was yeah, the big thing the was it was a uh, weapon of mass destruction in yeah. Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock. It was a big deal. That's right. And apparently, you know, with talking with Admiral Vassery at the end there, that they're going to use this planet for refugees. But apparently, I guess they've solved the problem about Genesis planets not being stable because that's what happens in. Star Trek 3. Yeah, it eventually breaks down. Yeah, in the search for Spock. I guess they fixed that problem. Well, I mean, yeah, it's been 100, 150 years. So the real question is, is uh, Locarno going to come back a la Spock coming back from the search (laughs) for Spock? That would be awesome. I would, I'm totally behind that. I doubt it though, because Spock didn't blow up in the explosion. Like his body (laughs) was launched onto the planet. So. Yeah, don't think he'll yeah. be making a comeback. Despite I'd love my to wishes. see it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. He got reorganized. Yeah, we all want yeah. more of Rubber Duck McNeil. <laughs> I could see him being a Strange Energies type situation. Strange Energies. <laughs> all right, but then the that's that's the end of the Mariner Locarno plot, and I love, I love, love, love that Locarno's fleet falls apart because you can't be an a hole and lead those kinds of people. He sold them a false premise about everyone being equals, and that's not even what he wanted. Yeah, and I love how it just blows up yeah. in his face as we th- as we uh, hypothesized last episode too. Yeah, he was he wanted to be in charge, and everything fell apart because they didn't want to be led. And yeah, you yeah. have to use a different type yeah. of leadership when you're building that type of uh, group. Right, and Lacarno is just not competent enough to make that happen. Yeah, so. F that guy is uh, where I'm going with that. <laughs> anything else you want to mention about the uh, the whole escape or anything Locarno related before we talk about the parallel plot? Are we going to talk about Locarno's announcement to the galaxy at large? Oh, yeah, we should. Yeah, what about it? You know, I love the fact that when he's doing his whole lower deckers who are disgruntled speech. Yeah. They show, you know, lower deckers and the Tamarian lower deckers have a towel guy. <laughs> Fucking dying, man. Just, I know. It's the Fedorov equivalent. Yeah. Such a, I love the fact that you remember his name and I'm always like, towel guy. Yeah. yeah towel guy. That's For who such he is a long time. Me. It was towel guy. Yeah. And they dropped his name and now I can't, I can't unforget it. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of that hail. So can anyone just hail the whole quadrant if that's what they want to do? Or is it some kind of trinary, you know, So, I mean, we've seen this happen before, right? It happened in Strange New Worlds. People just hail everybody. Yeah, and make them sing and dance. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But, you know, I'm I'm assuming there was some sort of setup for that. Like, that was always his plan. So he probably, you know, accessed the Starfleet relays and installed... Yeah, he's got to have his uh, villainous speech. Spread throughout the system. And when the time was right, he announced to the whole galaxy... I am here, and I am a douchebag. <laughs> I love how that when they're showing that scene, and uh, they're showing everywhere, everywhere on the you know all the lower deckers seeing it. Uh, we get this uh, a shot of Gucci, and apparently he's not relegated to the targeting system on the grappler. He's uh, just roaming around the ship somehow. I wonder what's going on there. Does he have his own hollow projector? But you know, you never know. <laughs> I mean, they they've got the doctor's mobile emitter, so you know why can't they recreate that tech? You're just gonna give him some tech right there. Like that could be that could be it. I personally wouldn't trust trust Gucci uh, any further than I could, you know, hollow project him. But that's just <laughs> me. Yeah. Do we want to talk though about like all the other lower deckers? Because we got like the uh, yeah. archaeologist lower deckers. Although they weren't really yeah. lower deckers, they were just like archaeologists. Like, and then we got the uh, the crew, the uh, oh, uh, Andorian crew. We got the 
There's the merp show up at the end. Do the merp show up? I remember there's like just some yeah, they're all in the same shot. Human like yeah. people. I just they show up right at the end in the one of those shots at the end there. I, I still feel like you're messing with me though. I do not remember <laughs> all the shot. All the merps show up right at the end in the uh, when they go into the lounge how, to hang out. How the hell did I miss so much of this? Oh no, you're talking about at the end the merps show up on the Cerritos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes. yeah, okay. I yes. thought we were back on to the whole you know montage. I'm just getting sidetracked. Characters. Yeah, you were really derailing us. That is my job, not yours. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Everything's Stavros. falling apart. I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, I interrupted something by saying there's lots of merps. So yeah, I, I you mean, say? you're kind of obsessed with merps. Anyway, anything else about stuff before we go on to what's going on with Tendi and the Orions? I mean, okay, yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about Tendi and the Orions. So, of course, you know, Captain Freeman. While this is all happening. She's been ordered not to interfere because, you know, Starfleet has uh, their rules about not initiating conflict. And, you know, Vassery gets involved. I'm a little sad that Vassery continues to not mispronounce things. I'm a little bit sad about that. I wish they would bring that joke back because it's it's affected. As we've said before in the show, it's affected all of my Star Trek. Once you hear it, you can never unhear it. (laughs) It's always there. (laughs) That's true. I love the fact that Freeman gives the first contact speech. I'm about to yeah. disobey orders. Say anybody got a problem with that? One of the details I loved about that is uh, on the Boimler bridge console, he's got this like map of all the different teams on the Cerritos apparently, and they all like light up green to indicate like the crew's agreement with Captain Freeman. It's weird because you've never really seen a detail like that, but it was kind of neat too. Like I guess everyone, every department head just has like a button. Like, do you agree with the captain? Press press yes to oh, yes. the captain. This is the Starfleet insubordination software. <laughs> okay, folks, it's time for another insubordination vote. Are we going rogue and disobeying orders? <laughs> do you want to tell the Admiralty to F off? Press this button now. I do think, though, that was a missed opportunity <laughs> where, like, they should have had at least one person accidentally vote no. And then that just be <laughs> like, like, blinks to yes later. Like, keeps trying <laughs> to, like, change it. Uh, it would have even been like if he didn't wasn't able to change it back if like it had been a running gag for all of next season where he's the one guy who voted no missed yeah. opportunity missed opportunity for sure so then you know of course tendy you know has an idea to get help from her sister and uh, that results in the barter by combat hilarious scene i kind of was getting original series vibes from it like the random gladiatorial combat yes. shenanigans i love that this was like supposed to be miglamo's redemption moment and he totally failed. It was definitely not that. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. One job, Miglimo. Come on. Ah, uh, yeah. I love his line, though. Except my flappy fisticuffs, you foul fiend. This assault by alliteration right such, there. Such a fantastic wordplay going on there. <laughs> Can, cannot help but love it. Miglimo, though, continues to show that uh, he may or may not be competent. Why, why was he even there? Why is he on an away mission? Stay on the ship, Miglimo. Come on. Well, I mean, they were going to talk to, you know, strange aliens. So he's a psychologist. Maybe he was there to uh, psychoanalyze. <laughs> he knows them. a thing or two. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, that was the logic. It could be. Yeah. I love the fact <laughs> that they beam down with, like, a massive crew yeah. to negotiate. Like, what was the logic there? <laughs> I don't know. They need that shot with uh, where they're picking the gladiator and we got Ransom and Shax literally foaming at the mouth to start the fight. Ah, Miggly Mo. Genuinely thought they were going to go with Rutherford, right? Oh, yeah. Because of his implants. Uh, And it did not turn out that way. Though I do want to comment, as long as we're talking about fisticuffs here, can we we comment on what happens when Tendy's sister is all like, ah, you know, the (laughs) Cerritos is just a... What is it, a second-rate support ship or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> and Bills gets all Bills outraged gets and he's getting offended. ready to fight. I'm wondering if that's supposed to be a callback to uh, the original series where Scotty, like, the Klingons come up and are just insulting everything about Starfleet yeah. and their captain <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's only when they call the Enterprise a garbage scow. Or no, they don't even call it a garbage scow. They call it garbage right they call it a garbage yeah, ship all the way is garbage and that's the yeah. moment where he starts the fight and i'm just wondering if this is supposed to be a callback to that if not <laughs> i'll take it it's close enough to it could possibly be called that and you know you got to respect billups for 
wanting to defend his ship. But perhaps he's not the best negotiator, just to yeah. just put it that way. To be fair, I don't think anybody in this group is a good negotiator. This did not go well at all. <laughs> no, not at all. I love how Billups Billups has a couple funny moments here. He's remember when he gets so excited that he might see a mind meld between Rutherford and Livick to like merge their points of view. Yes. And he is like so disappointed by the lack of mind meld. <laughs> so hey man, everybody's everybody's got his kink. Don't don't kink shame. Yeah. He wants to see mind melds. That's his kink, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the way they resolve the conflict. Oh yeah, of course. By uh doing the little uh little Twain negotiation. Twain negotiation. Again. Oh, such a great callback. <laughs> so unexpected too. But here's the best part. I know. It's Talin that suggests it, right? She yeah, wasn't mm-hmm. there for the Twain negotiation That's bit. That's right. She was yeah, on she Orion. Heard it, so she must have like heard about yeah. it and thought it was a great idea. <laughs> Did you catch the line where Rutherford's like I say we were happier than a milkman's horse. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck was that? Is that someone had fun with that? May Darman, great job with that random line. I, I'm always impressed with their abilities to like maintain such ridiculous voices. Like I can't. <laughs> it's amazing. You know when they they find the Orion battleship and you know someone goes look at the size of that thing. I, I that's like. Star Wars adjacent too. I feel like this is the second possible Star Wars reference. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just no. just a coincidence. Yeah, just a coincidence. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> such an innocuous phrase. Come on, man. No one says that. I, I or everyone. I think you are turning into a Star Wars fan over a Star Trek fan, and I feel like oh. I'm losing you. I'm losing you, man. I know. We used to be oh, no. simpatico in our love for Star Trek, and now. The only thing that comes out of your <laughs> mouth is how great Star Wars is. What yeah. happened? Yeah, I just, uh, I don't kink shame, man. I'm, I'm just really into lightsabers right now. Oh, you know, yeah, I mean, fine. if that's what you're into, dude. <laughs> I love how they don't actually end up, quote, borrowing the battleship. Because that's, that, I think that was the agreement, is they were going to borrow the ship. Yeah. Um, I don't think that ship's coming but back. But that whole agreement was kind of sketchy from the get-go. Yeah. Very Orion thing to do, just completely destroy. You know, there's an intent of an agreement, and if you do not hold up your end of that intent, it's not a valid agreement. Yeah. But, you know, they end up crashing that, and of course, guess who gets his first shot at the captain's chair? So can we talk about Boimler Boimler. being the acting captain? Are you telling me... (laughs) Why did that happen? Yeah, there was nobody else on the ship who was... More senior, <laughs> more qualified. There's literally they put everyone on the captain's. There is literally a guy on the bridge who is command division and a higher rank than Boimler. Why was he <laughs> not active in the shot? <laughs> Why was he not acting captain? <sighs> no goddamn. You sense. know what? He's a. Uh, they need to get him. You know, Ransom is uh, Boimler's kind of his protege, and you know, Ransom put him in charge. So I think he deserved it. Anyway, I loved the Captain Boimler thing here. I think we're really seeing more signs that the lower deckers are no longer that. They're they're moving up in the world. Yeah, they better cancel the show then. That's a good point, Starbucks. <laughs> you can't have lower decks with no lower deckers. That's how it so works. So what are we what are we gonna call the follow up series? Middle deckers? Mid deckers? Double deckers? <laughs> double deckers. That'd be like double the lower deckers, wouldn't it? I, I don't know. It sounds like a Star Trek porno, and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you should definitely not Google that. <laughs> Just putting that out there. What, Star Trek porno? <laughs> yeah, don't Google, don't yeah. Google that. Google yeah. keeps all of your Probably search not. history. Get a VPN, <laughs> then Google it. Anyways. <laughs> I like you have a strategy behind that. That's good to know. <laughs> I, do, I do want to comment on one more thing about this scene with the uh, yeah. Orion uh-huh. battleship, warship, whatever they call it. Uh-huh. I love the fact that the Cerritos being a support ship comes into play because it tows the ship yeah. to the, the site where they need it and then, you know, flings it at the shield. Such a great, like, use of, like, a visual statement about the mission and the history of the ship, you know? I mean, yeah. I thought it was really it's good. designed for this thing. They probably had yeah. no intention. I'm just reading too much into it, but I'll, I'll no, I think it's it canonically where, appropriate. Yeah, I, I'll take it yeah. wherever I can get it. You know what it reminded me of is the episode a couple seasons ago where the Drukmani are like throwing pieces of the ship at the Cerritos. See, it reminded me more of Moist Vessel, where they're dragging the alien terraforming vessel. 
Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. We actually oh. missed one thing here. Oh yeah. So what? the Steam Runner computer voice. Can we talk about this for a minute? Okay. Why does it sound super sarcastic? Did you notice this? <laughs> I did not notice that. No. God, it is incredibly sarcastic in like all of its responses to Mariner. But <laughs> also, like, so obviously it's not Roddenberry. It's not her voice, which I think right. is kind of disappointing because like, oh, fun fact. I want to say, is it Siri that like when they originally recorded voice? Because the way they do those like assembled voices, well, back in the day, now it's all AIs and shit. Right. You would take word fragments and then it would assemble them into actual words. But the original right. voice actor they did, and I can't remember whether it was, you know, what is it? Series Apple, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever the Google one was. It's one of those. They actually brought in, or not brought in, but bought the rights to Majel Roddenberry's voice. That was supposed to be the voice that they used. But they backed okay. out at the last minute. So clearly, those you know voice bits exist to where they could have totally done the computer voice, and they didn't. They chose not yeah. to. Yeah. The weird thing is, though, reason. I think the computer voice on the Steam Runner is the same person who does the voice of the computer in Rick's like car slash spaceship from Rick and Morty. Like, <laughs> I didn't notice that. I, I swear it's the same voice. I'm probably wrong, but. Like and that that adds to the whole sarcastic bit too because like that that oh, Rick's spaceship in that show is yeah. super sarcastic and I don't know if maybe that's like the only way I can hear it now maybe that's it but I just yeah. it sounded sarcastic it could be just because you've you've seen it first in Rick and Morty it, you just want to your brain's like this is a sarcastic voice now and that's just all you hear <laughs> that's all I can hear. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to the the very end, the Tendi cliffhanger. I am so sad right now, Aaron. This is like the saddest I've ever been. This is like the awesomest episode and the crappiest episode because Tenderford is Stavros, long Stavros, I'm really upset. Stavros, I know about your life. This should not be the saddest you've ever been. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow. Wow, okay. I I feel like you either know me too well or not well enough. Did you catch the vessel that came to pick her up? The Orion one? Yeah, it's the Orion vessel yeah. from the animated series. Oh, is that where that's from? Yes! Ah. Uh, I know I'd seen it before. I couldn't place it. Yeah. It's not as Orion design. No, because cool. we, we even talked about that previously, right? Where in the episode where the Orion vessel... No, it wasn't even that episode. It was like in one of the trailers. We saw that Orion vessel. And I was I, I placed it as thinking it looked Orion. But right. I was kind of like, I, I wish it was more like the TAS Orion. And lo and behold, here we get the TAS Orion vessel. And I love the fact that I like the it. Orions are this like conglomerate of pirates. And at this point, we've right. seen like five different vessels that they use. I think that's a really great like storytelling, like visually telling the story of the Orions without having somebody say it. It was good. Yeah. We get a, we get a lot of different Orion stuff. Especially, apparently, they have just lots of gladiatorial arenas just ready to be used for any kind of your aggressive bargaining that you want to do. Anyway, I'm still sad. That uh, that look from Rutherford, they try to cheer him up, Rutherford. They say, we're going to go work on the warp manifold. And he's like, yeah. And then as they're walking and towards the camera and get out of focus, sad. he's super sad. Uh, it's just right in the stake right in the heart, man. Yeah. Those animators uh, doing exactly how to manipulate my emotions so i'm holding out hope for tenderford i'm a diehard i i want them to come back i have actually found a trick to not letting these um shows affect my emotions and i think like become a robot you might no you you might be able to take something from this whenever i'm watching a tv show and something bad happens to one of the characters i just think Uh well that's not a real person this is a made-up as a scenario. None of this is real. And immediately, I don't feel bad at all. It's crazy how that works. I just... You're confirmed that you're a robot. You're a robot. I confirm yeah. that I'm a logical, thinking human being, Stavros. Get on board for this. <laughs> anyway, so Tandy's gone, and t- with Talyn ghosting her captain... Are we back to the Warp Core 4, except there's no Tandy? No. Tandy's going to be back. So I suspect that that message to Freeman where they're like, oh, so about your lieutenant, that was totally right. them recruiting Tendi for some Starfleet mission. 
So mm. she'll she'll do her thing on Orion for an episode or two, and it'll be like freaking Boimler on the Titan. She'll be back next season. Right. No she'll need to back. cry. Yeah. Dry so. your eyes, so. little buddy. Dry your eyes. <laughs> I'm really sad. The one cool thing about Tendi getting assigned to the Orion ship is when she beams in and there's this close-up of her with the Starfield in the background. And she's like, you know, I'm going to oh, let's do my this. God. And she walks past the camera. That is such a cool scene. And I think the thing yeah. I liked best about it is not the thing you liked. I don't think we have ever seen this shot. Somebody looking out a window and then having them like at a ship and then having the ship that that person is on warp away from whatever they're looking warp. at. Mm. I just interesting. It was I thought we've seen that. Is it because the Cerritos, you know, where the the bunk corridor? I think has shown that before. I'm not sure. Well, uh, we've seen us warping away, right? Looking out the back window as they warp away, right? But I don't think we've right. ever seen them warping away from something, right? Like in this case, it's a ship, but I don't think we've ever seen a planet or another ship or a star base. And that's just such a cool scene. I really want to see that in live that action neat. at some point. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was the thing I was going to point out is when you know it transitions. So she walks past the camera, and the star streaks are going, and then it transitions to the ending credits from that. It's kind of a simple thing, but it still looked really awesome. I think we're used to having just the static star field in the background, but having the star streaks going with the tra- the transition straight from the yeah, sun yeah, the window really screensaver. Awesome I know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly, you got it. Are we missing any other random details about the show? I feel like we've covered. Are you uh, kidding me? We're missing tons of random details, and as yeah, soon all the ships mostly. As soon as we stop <laughs> recording, we're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, we forgot to talk about this." It's gonna be like freaking "Teach Me to Dance," <laughs> Beverly Crusher, all know. over again. I know ah. that's gonna be that's gonna happen for sure. One hundred percent. You know, here we are at the end of season four. How'd you feel about this season compared, you know, overall as a single unit? How did it compare to the other you know, seasons of Lord? One Dicks of the things you? that I've seen a lot of this season getting criticism before is that it has moved back to more episodic episodes. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. in season three, they felt like it had been moved more towards arc based episodes, which I don't know if I agree okay. with that, right? It's definitely slightly more episodic but i think they had more character arcs this season than they did in previous ones and honestly just like the format of this season was really good like the writing was really good the visuals were really good i mean this is definitely like an a plus plus season for me this may even be better than season three i think i think this may be an upswing there's nothing wrong with episodic seasons to be honest i'm I'm fine with that as long as the characters get some growth you know, and they do get promoted. Um, you can see them, you know, getting used to their new positions. And the, we do have the, you know, the kind of the two episodes related to one another or each other right at the end there. So there's a lot of stuff to love in this in this season. I think um, part of me wants, you know, a, a more a bigger arc, perhaps. But, you know, nothing's wrong with the episodic approach. I think it's I think it's fine. Yep. I do kind of wonder. This was very much a Mariner centric meta arc this season. Yeah. And I feel like we've yeah. already done this multiple times. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the problems with, you know, having the it, I mean, it, it you know, A it's an animated sitcom, but you know, people like you and me want to see character development and I'm I was kind of worried for a while that they were just going to keep, you know, Boimler is going to keep being the butt of jokes and you know, Mariner is going to keep being a wild card, but we are seeing signs of them advancing yeah which raises the big question how are they going to hit the reset button for next season yeah great question i don't know like i said there's you know part of their they're kind of evolving out of the lower decker bit well like i said i i have a sneaking suspicion that this series is uh an origin story for captain ransom and his senior officers (laughs) so okay (laughs) it could be it it could be it you know, I think we're going to have a lot more to talk about as far as the overall season impressions on our retrospective episode, which uh, we're going to be doing soon. Well, relatively soon. At some point. Soonish? I don't recall signing up for this. Yeah. I think you're uh, getting me uh, <laughs> committed th- to things that I- I'm not really prepared for. Yeah, well, well, good news. You have time to prepare for it because uh, we're going to take a little break after finishing this. Because you know what? Doing 10 or I guess nine weeks of back-to-back podcasting episodes... 
that's a lot of work, man. We're going to yeah. take a little bit of time off, and then we're going to do a retrospective episode, perhaps some other things, too. You know what else that is? That is a lot of booze. It is a lot of booze. So too. my bank yeah. account is, you know, a little drained here. So <laughs> while I recharge, you can uh, you can catch us, oh, not next week, sometime in the sometime. future. And uh, in the meantime, you can find us on X at Lower Dorks. Or if you're feeling disgruntled, you can look up a bitter old podcaster and join his crusade to get back at the people who didn't really wrong him, but he feels that way because he has no sense of introspection or self-awareness. Or morality. You know what, Stavros? I'm glad you said that because I think we've been needing to talk about your behavior. 